Today is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. How Christians are still helping Afghan refugees months after the media has moved on, essentially, from the story. We'll have that more on today's podcast, where we aim to bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, give us a rating, share it with a friend. Let's get through the news of the cray together. We'd love to have you with us. Join us. Resistance is futile. Joining me, as always, Tragons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. Well, happy Friday. All I could picture just now is a resist bumper sticker. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're and welcome. you know that today is the first full day of fall. We're excited over ah. because I think it started like technically I was hearing today that summer ends and fall begins at like nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh, so today is now the first full wow. day. Side note here. Um, researchers in England, they might have confirmed that babies don't like green vegetables even before they're born. <laughs> have you seen the videos like the little pictures of the yes. babies mince? They're like wincing when they eat kale. It's phenomenal. See, yeah, the yeah. truth about the kale too, finally revealed. And NBC yeah. News accidentally confirmed that, <laughs> that unborn babies, baby. are fact babies They are in fact babies. They wrote it. And then but they're all calling them that. They're well, all saying it. Not yeah, all of it's them. Amazing. There's a few that have changed it to fetus. Look at these fetuses wincing. Like, come on. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> these, so. non, these non-human <laughs> beings. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, coming up on the podcast today, uh, we're going to talk on the main thing about how Afghan refugees are uh, settling a little more than a year after the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban and how Christian ministries and local churches are assisting. We'll have that and more coming up. But first, we're going to go through the news uh, in 90 seconds. More than 1,300 people have been arrested across Russia as protests have surged since President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization. The order has also sparked a huge demand for flights out of Russia. And in a move that screams lack of self-awareness, the Taliban will be banning a first-person shooter video game and TikTok. Why? Because it's promoting too much violence. And as a baby's heartbeat, really their heartbeat. Well, Stacey Abrams sparked a massive reaction when she claimed that the heartbeat of an unborn baby at six weeks is something that's, quote, made up by man so that they can have, quote, control over a woman's body. And the University of Massachusetts is planning to hold an LGBTQ Pride Day on the same day that the Minutemen host Liberty University in a football game. They made this special announcement on Twitter in a video that showed off one of their players wearing a large cross necklace hanging out of the uniform uh, and then in a in a rainbow lit room. So um, you can read more about that story and more on CBNnews.com. So guys, the Liberty University thing, it seems like a bit of an overreaction to having the mere presence of a Christian university on the campus. Well, it seems very intolerant, yeah. actually. You know, it's interesting. It's like whenever there's an idea that we don't agree with now, we're just going to have, you know, hold an event or do something to intentionally offend or spark, you know, frustration among those people. Yeah. Well, so obviously, as everyone knows, I don't really care about sports at all. But <laughs> as a proud Liberty, as a proud Liberty graduate, I'm hoping uh, that they'll end up winning the game. But let me just, just say <laughs> that I think the, the guy wearing the cross necklace in that little clip it's kind of like this newsome ad, right, for promoting abortion using a Bible verse. It's like taunting, uh, yeah. and I just, you know, I, I don't think that they're gonna they're gonna fare well with with no. that kind of a, a message. I agree, and I wonder if even because sometimes they film these things ahead of the season, just players, you know, kind 
know, on the camera and then they show it in different promotional stuff. I wonder if, if that player even knew because a lot of players will wear chains and things of that nature. So I wonder if the player even knew that they were going to be used in this way and if they agree with it or not. So interesting tactic there. Just the latest and the signs of the times on how divided we actually are. But speaking of football, one of the more prominent players in college history is Tim Tebow. And of course, he became famous for showing his faith out on the field. But Tebowing, when it became a phenomenon, he wasn't the first one to actually do that. Someone did it decades before. So, Billy, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was this man named Herbert Lusk. He was a former Philadelphia's Eagles player, and he basically, in a 1977 game, chose to get down on his knee and pray in the end zone. And the reason that this matters this week is because um, Herbert Lusk actually passed away. Mm. Uh, he died this week. And so this history, and it was a really big moment because nobody had apparently ever done that before, you know, praying uh, after getting it, making a touchdown. So it was a pretty big deal. Why was it significant back then? Obviously, Christianity is under even more attack now than whatever it was probably in the 1970s. So why was it significant then? Yeah, you know, it was 1977. And I I think people had never seen anything like that before. And there were 50,000 people gathered watching this guy. And apparently it was an amazing play. Like he got this touchdown and it was crazy. And so then he was overtaken by, you know, the emotion of the moment he got down and he did it and it had a big reaction. People are obviously still talking about it. You know, today it's not shocking to see Tim Tebow or some other player, you know, pray or point up to the sky or give God glory. But for whatever reason, this was just not a common thing. So even mm -hmm. though faith was, embedded in the culture. There was also a lot happening in American culture at the time. I think it sort of shocked people to see sports and faith mix in that way. Hmm. And he once gave a really great reaction to a reporter's question about prayer. What did he say? So he was asked in 2018, and by the way, I want to I want to specify too that he became a pastor after this. So okay. that's why his life is so interesting. He had this moment, he leaves the NFL, and by 1982, He's gone on to become a pastor, and he carried that through as a faith leader, well-known in the Philadelphia community, um, until his death this week. And so lots of people mourning him. But he was asked by this reporter in 2018, you know, if if religion can, quote, sometimes alienate players or spectators. And he had a great response. He said, not really, not our relationship with Jesus Christ, because basically what we do is we love everybody. The great commandment is you should love your Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's impossible to alienate people when you love them. Hmm. Um, and, and by the way, just to add on to that, he was a Republican, which is really interesting. I mean, he took a lot of heat in the African-American community among Democrats uh, because of that. Uh, and he also was very pro-life. He was outspoken on those issues. Wow, that's interesting stuff. A pioneer on that front. And it's interesting because you look at the NFL today and for all the chaos that's going on and you know, for all the anti-American stuff that came out over the NFL with players kneeling for the national anthem. A lot of the big time players in the NFL right now, I mean, the prime position is quarterback. They're usually the face of your franchise. They are the star player. They dictate the offense and what's going on. Everything goes through them. They're usually kind of the main player on the team. And so many of them in the NFL right now are Christians. It certainly seems to be a growing movement in the NFL, at least. 
Well, he was also a chaplain for the Eagles. So he went back okay. and he's talked a lot about the Eagles players' faith that he had not seen. Back yeah. in 2018, he did some interviews. He hadn't seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of cool to see him go back home and do that job. So again, people are mourning him even on the other side of the political aisle, which I think is really interesting and it speaks to his character. Yeah, I think that's an going back to his answer to that question. Society has moved to a place now where Christianity is being defined as hate. And his answer is exactly spot on. I mean, we've talked about Penn Jillette and his answer you know, to somebody witnessing to him, and he can't understand why Christians wouldn't witness to somebody given what we believe. And that, to me, seems to be the posture that more people should have when they're at least trying to understand where Christians are coming from. Even if they don't agree with that, they should understand that we are coming from a place of love. We're not here to condemn you. We're not here to criticize you. You know, We're here to tell you about God's love and about forgiveness and about how you can have eternal life. We're trying to save you from eternal damnation. And it seems like that message has gotten twisted. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, think, and I think that when you can see somebody come out and say, look, I'm a dead Democrat. There's a congressman who came out. I'm on the other side from this pastor, right? Um, but but he was a good man. He was a man who loved others. When you see people who are willing to acknowledge that and do that, I think it speaks to his character, but I think it also is the antidote to say exactly what you were just talking about. Mm. And as believers, being able to be living our lives out in a way that, yes, some people are still going to dislike us because of our faith. We know that, but that they have nothing on us, right? Yeah. They know that we loved others. And I think, too, a, a part of that is is making sure that you're action-oriented, right? Like living, uh, living out what you believe instead of just saying it because I think that kind of endears people to you and I just want to mention this real quick as we wrap up because it goes back to Tim Tebow he just auctioned off this story is on cbnnews.com he just auctioned off his Heisman trophy to raise one million dollars for kids in need uh, so you know I just think that's a really cool thing to bring in to bring this story full circle is living out your faith as as well as speaking the gospel yeah Hundred percent, hundred percent, absolutely, and a good reminder for us all as we try to interact with a world that's gone completely mad, completely cray, as we always say. So, all right, Billy, thanks for bringing us that one. That leads us into our main thing today: Afghan refugees. They came over here to America, fleeing the Taliban just over a year ago. Well, how are things going for them? They're still trying to settle and make a life here in America. Some of them, few of the blessed ones that have been able to get here and out of that crazy situation in Afghanistan. But how are Christian ministries and local churches assisting and helping these refugees? Well, John Stone has talked to CBN's Gabe LaMonica on today's Main Thing. So Gabe, obviously there are a number of Afghan refugees now in America who were not here a year ago, but um, uh, the, the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan certainly turned that country into um, one, one of the one of the hotter spots uh, in the world for especially for that short time while people were trying to get out of there. And so thousands of Afghan nationals fled the nation. A lot of them ended up here in America. But you go from that society to a society here in America that is completely different from from what they were used to. And, and they're just thrown into a whole different way of thinking and having to live. So you spoke to someone, uh, a young woman who's living in Alexandria, Virginia right now, uh, a little bit about what that process has been like. Can you tell me a little bit more about her? So there are three images about the war on terror, right, that, that stick out to me, John. And one is obviously 9-11. And another one is is um, when we saw the, the beheading of, of American journalist James Foley. And yep. a third is this image of hundreds of Afghans clinging to American military planes as they made their way out 
of the this chaotic withdrawal of all right. U.S. troops in Afghanistan uh, last year. And Mobibi Aladodi, um, who's living in Alexandria right now, was kind enough to speak to us. She speaks English. Um, she's in her early 20s, and she was a, a former journalism student who had these incredible dreams of being a journalist in Afghanistan, and, and she wanted to learn English and report on her own country. Hmm. And um, she told us how it was always dangerous in Kabul, where she lived, uh, always dangerous in Afghanistan. But once the Taliban took over, uh, she and uh, uh, everyone else she knew knew that uh, the only way to survive was was to leave. Um, yeah. So you know, her and her family, and and uh, not everyone in her family. Some of her family still in Afghanistan, uh, still hiding. But they they came to America uh, seeking a better life and. You know, she's struggling still to find that. Um, you know, she, you know, she's working kind of low minimum wages, wage jobs, and she's not, uh, she's not studying journalism. Uh, but yeah. you know, so she, you know, her and and uh, another Afghan refugee who we talked to, you know, they both left their dreams behind, and now, you know, they had these dreams. Uh, for their life in Afghanistan, and, and they quickly realized that those dreams would never come to fruition. She mm -hmm. said her her life, uh, you know, as a woman and as a student, uh, especially in Afghanistan, was just uh, impossible. So now she's yeah. trying to kind of find a new way here. There is a an Afghan community here in the United States that is working to help people like this. And there's also Christian organizations that are working towards helping people that are like this. Who, who did you speak to um, about the plight of Afghans who are coming to America right now in this climate? So Maniza Azizi is a aid worker with Homes Not Borders, and they're a Christian organization helping uh, Afghan refugees kind of literally make homes here. And they set them up and get them into housing and provide tables and chairs and couches and kitchen utensils and anything they might need to to live um, with them. As, and they also help them find jobs. So, you know, one thing Maniza said is, you know, she's helping these uh, former doctors and lawyers from Afghanistan now find jobs at at Walmart and uh, mm. delivering packages for Amazon. And, and, you know, some of them are discouraged, but, you know, one thing that is common uh, among Afghan refugees is their resilience. So none of them are, yeah. uh, were negative about their experience in any way. They were, they were just right. looking, uh, they're, they're just highly adaptable people. And, and Maniza um, is one of them. She came over, uh, to the U.S. when she was five years old um, in the 80s during, when uh, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. And, and she had a, she has a different sort of escape story. You know, uh, so many of these Afghans that left uh, last year um, came over on these giant military planes, uh, whereas Maniza, uh, like so many others, found her way through... Pakistan and then kind of figured her way through Europe and 
over to the United States eventually, but they, you know, they did it all by, by land and, you know, hiring guides and trying to like go mm. through the mountains, uh, which yeah. seems pretty harrowing too. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, but she, yeah. you know, she kind of remembers it with like a certain amount of excitement because she was five years old and like scared. And, and she has a story about how her mother uh, had the, she was from Kabul and so her, her mother had them dressed differently uh, so that people wouldn't recognize them as being from the city. And then they weren't allowed to speak because if they said anything, people would recognize uh, their diet, right. their dialect as being different and, and being from the city. And then they would be recognized as, uh, I guess, as not mm-hmm. country people and they would right. be found out. So. Our church is ministering to an Afghan family that came here a year ago. They just set, they just celebrated their one year anniversary here in the U.S. They they came to our church parking lot. These are people who are very proud people, but also people willing to ask for help. And uh, with this particular family, there's a, a husband and a wife and their five children. It, you you mentioned it that they're resilient. That that is a perfect word to describe them. It's a, you don't think about the things that you need in order to set yourself up for success in America. A driver's license for the father and for one of the uh, and and for two of the older children who could drive suddenly became the most important thing that they needed the most help for because if you don't have a driver's license you can't get to a good job so you have to basically take a job that's that's local and for the ones who who don't speak very good English it's a daunting task and I imagine you heard a lot of that when you were speaking uh, also to uh, Sami Rahani who was a former Afghan special forces officer. Um, who you who said in your story is now working as a waiter. Speaking of resilience, you know, Sammy Rahani, you know, this ex-Afghan special forces guy, he had certainly dreams of his own. Rahani came over here and, you know, he had dreams of, of rising in the ranks of, of the Afghan special forces. Uh, his father was a famous Afghan general who's now in exile in Germany and uh, Rouhani himself is here in a small apartment in Alexandria with his wife and son. And, you know, now he's just trying to adapt. He, he blamed the whole failure of the withdrawal on the Afghan leadership, especially mm. president Ashraf Ghani, you know, yeah. ditching the place. And you know, Rouhani said that they were prepared to fight for Kabul. And mm-hmm. um, and it shocked him when the leadership just kind of left out from under them. And he, to get out of there, he had to give up his gun. He had to uh, he had to leave his uniform. Uh, you know, he said it was the hardest thing he ever did. Uh, yeah. And he had you know tears in his eyes talking about how hard it was to leave his gun behind. And then his wife was with their son. Uh, you know, he gave her about an hour to pack up and leave. And, you know, she wanted to grab all this stuff uh, from their house. You know, they, they had sort of a well-appointed house in Kabul. And he said, no, you don't understand. We are leaving now. And you can't bring anything. And he was uh, fearful for her life and his son's life because he was not able to go get them. They had to be, uh, somebody, somebody went and got them in like an MRAP or something. Uh, and they were like just outside of the gates of the Kabul airport. And then they brought his wife and son inside and they were able to 
escape in time. But I think there are a lot of opportunities for Christians and Christian churches to get involved with some of these Afghan refugees as they've come here to America. When we had a, a one-year celebration uh, for this family, um, knowing how difficult it's been, knowing that they have struggled with money, they've struggled with jobs, they, they have struggled to learn the language, it's been very difficult for them in their first year here. Um, they, we asked them, you know, what, what is, uh, what's your favorite thing about America after having been here for one year? And they basically said that we're safe. And that was the one thing that all of them said that they, we, we are thankful we are here because we are safe and everything else is secondary. And so there are lots of opportunities for Christians. And I know the local community, the local churches uh, can also play a really big and really important role in helping meet the day-to-day needs of these Afghan refugees. So um, it's, a, it's a really phenomenal story. It's a, it's a hopeful story. And these are really amazing people who are here in America. Um, if you want to catch Gabe's story and you haven't seen it on the 700 Club or Faith Nation, head on over to cbnnews.com and you can watch it in its entirety there. Gabe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, John. Great to be with you. All right, John and Gabe, thank you so much for that information there. That leaves us with time for one last thing today, guys. And Trey, we're going to head over to Third John. Yeah, you know, I think this passage is so applicable just to tee it up because we live in a culture where we're, you know, we're sending these messages to the next generation uh, and it's all kinds of different things coming from all kinds of different directions and none of it from the secular world, at least, is rooted in genuine truth and certainly not a gospel truth. So this is what John was writing uh, to the people who had had essentially seen him as a spiritual father. Uh, They had become believers under his leadership uh, and he wrote in 3 John, one four. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. I think we should rejoice in that as believers. Whenever we see the next generation, whether you have kids or you just see younger believers stepping up in your stead and following the gospel truth. Yeah, especially ones that you have influence over, and you whether yeah. it's in your church community, you know, whether you're discipling somebody younger than you, or it's your own kids. That should be our striving goal is to, first and foremost, a side of career, a side of relationships, everything else, first and foremost, how are they walking with the Lord? Are they desiring God above all else? That should be our primary indicator of success. Yeah, it's a, it's a refocusing scripture too, because a lot of us, we, we try to put legacy into the current things that are going on. Yeah. How many people can we convert to our worldview on politics or whatever other issue? And the things that really matter, right? This points us back to that winning people people over for the gospel. So it's a it's a cool little Bible verse there. Absolutely. And a good way to roll into the weekend. And as always, you can head over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. I mean, if you're here listening and you haven't subscribed, you came this far. What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't don't resist it. Resistance is futile as Billy's bumper sticker says. So resist. Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here on Monday with more. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend.